We have sung a lot of songs about Jesus coming back. Maybe we should talk about that. The blessed hope. He's coming back. This world is going to end. So all these things that you may be tired of, if you are feeling aches and pains, if you got that going, that's going to be gone. Have you lost someone that you loved and now they're no longer part of your life? Well, that's going to be resolved. Where there's injustice and people have just lost their minds, it's going to be taken care of. He's coming back. Things are going to be different. He's going to run things in the way they should have been all the time. He's ready for us to join him. He wants to do a partnership. He wants us to be part of the family. And he's allowing some time, some time to get some other things done. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You can find what we are going to talk about in Second Peter chapter 3. And you will, it'll be on the screen as well. But if you have a copy of the scriptures, or you want to go to your app and pull up that Bible, uh, you can look at it there as well. So the end of the world, the end of the world. Here's some things we want to do. It is our job as followers of Christ in this world to keep going. We are to stay on track, keep following him, going where he would have us to go. And sometimes we get derailed, we get distracted, we just all kinds of things come along. But we are to keep going. And we have uh, things that, that sort of bother us at times, but that's uh, been true for every generation, and it will be until he gets back. We are to be ready for his return at all the time. To be ready all the time. We don't know when he's coming back, so we just, we just want to be prepared. And stay faithful. Keep doing what he has told us to do, realizing that he's working things out. There are times when we're just th- saying, you know, why God? Why is this? What are you thinking? Obviously, if you put me in charge, I could fix it. And he said, just stay faithful. That's your job. Not to run things. You're not in control. Just be faithful. So keep going. Be ready all the time. Stay faithful. Here's the day of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. A day is coming. Jesus is coming back. And we can plan well knowing exactly what day that will be. Which is why the verse says, unexpectedly as a thief, right? So you've read the books, I'm sure, or you've heard somebody talk about Jesus is coming back and here's the date, this is why, here are the 14 things and reasons and why do they do that? Jesus himself said, you're not going to know. I don't know. The Father knows. He will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Does that mean we don't have seasons and some clues? Yeah, we got some of that, but we don't know. So that's why we're supposed to be ready. Just be ready. And when he gets here, some things are going to happen. He's going to put things right. 
he's going to organize orderly, put things in, in, in the way that they ought to be. Uh, God has dealt with the earth to straighten it up before. So he did that with water. And the first part of Second Peter chapter 3 deals with that. But that's not this time. He said, I'm not going to destroy the earth with water. That's a cleansing agent. You know about that one. I hope you do. Those dishes are going to get bad. So water is one cleansing agent, and God has already used that one. And this time it's fire, also a cleansing agent. And he will use that to deal with the elements of this world, the heavens and the earth. And, and he is he's going to cleanse it. He's going to make it right. It's going to accomplish what he wants it to accomplish because it will be purified. Does that mean, let me just take you into the realm of the many books that if you've read any of these, uh, Jesus coming back, this will be one of those places where you will wind up. There's going to be uh, a nuclear war. And as a result of the nuclear war, everything will melt down. And that's what Peter's talking about, this nuclear war that's coming. That's, that's one possibility. Another is an asteroid will strike the earth and cause it, you know, things to erupt. And as a result of that, and the mantle comes to the surface, volcanoes and the earth shakes and burns. That's another possibility. It's amazing, all these different options that come up. And it is... Um, like, God has no control over this. It, it's as if his plan, his sovereign plan, I mean, he designed the world. He put the heavens in, in their place, and then all of a sudden it's ripped away from him. And, and, and when we get to prophetic things, there is a proliferation of suggested ideas on what these things are based on the technology that we have now. If you were around, these are the ones that come to mind for me, the, the books that were written in the 60s, 70s, like Late Great Planet Earth, and pointing to, well, here, this is what Revelation is talking about, Cobra helicopters. You realize we're past Cobra helicopters. We've we got new helicopters. We've got, we got new technology. But it was a happening thing right then. So obviously, our technology is the thing God's been waiting for. For thousands of years, for us to develop something cool, like nuclear weapons, and we could we could obliterate ourselves. So he's resting and waiting for us to develop technology. And technology, I think technology is pretty cool, but it does not surpass the spiritual powers. God's spiritual powers are far in advance. He created the earth. He spoke a word. Tell me what technology we have that will do that. Just, just make it. Just bring life. Bring, bring things into being. And he speaks and brings healing when Jesus is walking on the earth. Or he speaks and a little girl gets up from death. And you just go, hey, you know, I don't know. We got defibrillators. We got some shots. We got some things. But we don't, we don't come close. Not to the spiritual. The spiritual is, has greater power. And when he's talking about, I'm going to come and I'm going to melt this thing down or I'm going to use fire to purify it, that's, 
He, he's not saying that he's going to destroy what he made. He's going to destroy the injustice, the unloving, the rebellion. He's going to purify it like you pur- purify gold or diamonds. He's, he's cleaning it up. So we've got a whole other plan. Is he waiting for us to develop the right kind of lasers to do that? Nope. No, he's not waiting on us for anything. Now he's waiting for us to get it right. That would be different. But the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. He will bring that. Let's back up one verse to verse 9. The Son of Man is coming at the right time. Peter writes this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He wants people to be included in this life, part of his family. He created people to be part of this group, part, part of the family. Some are in heaven, the heavenly beings, angelic beings, cherubim, seraphim, and the numerous others that are out there. And he wants them that family to be part of the family that we're going to join. And he wants as many, he would, he would really like all of us to be part of this. But he also allows people to choose. If they want to listen to God, they want to go God's way, then he wants them to be part of the family. But a lot of people just don't like him. They don't like what he does. They don't like the idea that, that he may be uh, stronger, smarter, sharper, Whatever it is, they don't like it. They, and they don't want him telling them what to do. So that just really aggravates people. So they, diff, they distance themselves from the God of heaven because, you know, he's just, he's a bully. He's mean. And here he is, loving, reaching out, sends his own son to make things right, wants to wrap his arms around us and take care of us, provide for us. He sends the sunshine and the rain to everybody, just letting you know I care. And yet people go, nope, don't want it. I think, I just, I, I think I'll just go my own way. So, well, let me back up to the, our early story of this. There was a separation of God and people back in the Garden of Eden and, and a decision to rebel against God, early, our earliest parents decided to do that, so humanity went a different direction. And they rebelled over and over again. They rebelled so much that the first world was flooded to be cleansed, and only eight people made it through that. The next time they rebelled, he divided the nations with different languages, so people spread out over the, over the world. And he is trying to bring them to a point where they recognize that he is God that he is the one true God. And they tend to go after some other divine beings, some small G gods who have decided, well, we'll show you, we'll take you in a different direction, worship us. And so they've listened and they have gone another direction. And in their rebellion, other people go, yeah, obviously we should listen to you. Just like they do humans who are influencers on the internet or media people. And you go, obviously they know everything, so I should follow them. And that happens all the time. And as a result, we have people 
in turmoil. We have tragedies. We, we're, our world is upside down because of it. And here's God going, I'm, I want to bring people in. I want them to come together. Because it's horrible to think. Here's what he really, really wants. People to love him. You know, who doesn't want a little relationship? And for those kids to get along, love one another. Well, that's a horrible idea. So we ought to rebel and do something different than that. Really, pretty much boils down to just love God, love people. And he's going, I'm going to give you time. Why isn't God here? Doesn't he see how horrible it is? Yes, he does. What's he waiting for? Doesn't have his family all gathered up yet. He's trying to get his people in, get some more. Maybe your grandkids, maybe your great-grandkids. We don't know when that is because it's going to come as unexpectedly as a thief when all the family is in. So we're waiting for that. That's what he's telling us. He's not slow. He's just doing this in his own time because he's got people he wants to be in. Don't you think that's a good idea? That's the plan. Peter goes on to deal with some some serious things as a result of what's coming. So how should you live? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. He's coming. It's going to be, it is going to be a meltdown when he, when he gets here with all this. But we are to live holy and godly lives. We're supposed to be looking forward to what he's going to do, what he's going to accomplish. Living our lives, loving God, loving people, helping him to accomplish his purpose by living rightly on the earth. Living the way that he would have us to live. Following Jesus, learning how he wrestled with the world, negotiated his way through. He had to navigate the evils of this world, the darkness, the politics, the the relationships that break down, the racism, the difficulties that people have, just day-to-day stuff. And we're supposed to look at him and say, how do I deal with this? Well, you look, you follow, you listen, and you go, Jesus, way. Because he's the one who knows. He's the one who came from heaven. He came and lived it out here. And then he went back to heaven and said, now I'm going to turn it over to you so that you can live this out my way. And live differently. So holy is to be different. It's to be set aside. It's to be unique. It's supposed to be different from the world that is controlled by the evil ones, the authorities and powers from the darkness. So don't do that. Be unique. Live it my way. Be so separated from that that you're... Even in your heart, your mind, the way you think, the way you respond to things is not the same as their way of responding to things. Hit your thumb with a hammer. Do you respond like the world? 
or like Jesus? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Do you respond like the world or like Jesus? Somebody looks at you, says something disrespectful to you. In your heart, does it swell up? Do you respond like the world or like Jesus? Because there's a lot of difference. And he's saying, live this life in a holy manner, unique, separated, not like those who have rebelled against God, those who do not love God, those who do not love others, live it as though you love God and truly love others. That's a whole different way of going at this. And be godly, pious, set aside, focused on the things of heaven, living for eternity, not for the moment, not for what you can get out of it, not how you can manipulate and twist and control, but to live his way. It's a different thing. And why should we do that? Because all of this stuff's going to melt. It's all going to go away. It's all going to be burned up. Everything that you've saved for, everything you've desired, that 401k, the house, the car, all the clothes in the closet, all the clever things that you've done, carved other people, the cute little things you have in the refrigerator from somebody, all of it. Gone. So how do you do that? Where do you go with this? Here's the challenge of the lasting life. No person has the right or privilege to live their life for that which will rot, rust, fade, or die. And yet we make those the priority. We make those the most important thing, not eternity, not the things that are going to last, not the things that will last beyond the the meltdown of this planet and all the stuff that we've gathered. Not, no, we're talking about a life that is lived recognizing eternity, that God is working on something so much bigger than where we go with our daily lives And so all of those things have a place. They're all important. God gifts them to us. It's nice. But knowing that they're temporary, knowing that we are temporary here, knowing that those around us are temporary here, and recognizing there's a day when this is all going to come to a close, then we need to be looking and planning and reaching way out there as far as knowing where am I going with my life? What am I here for? What am I to do with my time? What, how should I respond to people? What, what am I doing in, in terms of developing wealth? Jesus says a really good idea is to put that wealth in heaven where it doesn't rust. Moth can't destroy. Hmm. Well, that's a different thought because my idea is to gather as much as I can and, you know, be like the Waltons or Elon Musk or something. Yeah, I need, I need, you know, that, that's, that's what life is about on earth. Nope. No, it isn't. And if you have a chance, just run by a cemetery. Walk up to any one of those markers and ask them, how's that working for you? What'd you take with you? You, you want to check your uh, bank statement now? How's your car? 
And you know what you'll hear? Nothing. Because none of those things matter. And they aren't there. And that's how we live life. Gathering, protecting. And he says, don't do that. This thing is only here for a short time. But the thing that matters, the thing God's holding out for, people. He wants his family. So how do we live? Do we live so that we can show that we love people? Or do we show the people at Walmart how ugly we can be? And the waitress at the restaurant, how short and demanding we can be? Or are we loving and caring and reaching out and touching lives like Jesus? That's what he's asking us. He's coming back. He's going to hold us accountable. And he knows what we're giving our lives to. He goes on, verse 13, joyfully anticipating the new. This is Peter just saying, hey, we're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. All those good things. So imagine the Garden of Eden with everything you could possibly need taken care of. God is bringing it in. It's gorgeous. Everything's working properly. The uh, weather is right. The water is pure. The air is fresh. And you get to live in the midst of that with all the birds and animals, and you can, you can cuddle up to any of them. Maybe not porcupines, but you, most of them you can cuddle up. And these are going to be, it's going to be delightful. And he's bringing it back. It went away. It was broken. Jesus has stepped in to make that difference. And he's coming back to reestablish all of that so that we can all live in this paradise. We still have our place. We still get to use our talents and our abilities. We still get to interact with other people. We still get adventure. We get to explore we get to learn. We have all eternity to learn, which is, I think, pretty awesome. We're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, a world filled with God's righteousness. And his righteousness is, a shorter way to say that, he just makes everything right. It just works. People will get along. Will we have technology? Yeah, probably we'll come up with stuff. He let us invent stuff. And, and we're kind of messed up. And we come up with some pretty cool stuff. Imagine when our brains are actually working and we don't have all these mixed messages and twisted and broken things and we're functioning full on. Wow. It's, it's, gonna, it's no wonder he's looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. This is a, it's looking good. While you wait, Second Peter chapter 3 verse 14 and so dear friends while you are waiting for these things to happen make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight so you're waiting we don't know when he's coming we're just we're just busy doing this waiting doesn't mean you just sit there and twiddle your thumbs it just means we're anticipating we're busy doing life but we're doing that with this, this in, in our minds that he's coming back and we have priorities. We're going to live it his way. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless. And I love it that the tag on that is in his sight. Because if not, we would define that 
about us. You know, the other people don't live pure, blameless lives, but I do. Just them, those people. And if they'd get it right, we, everything would go well. You know, Thanksgiving meal, the family getting together, everything would go really well. No, in his sight. What does he say about it? What's the character? What is it that drives us? What gets us up in the morning? How do we respond to others? How do we treat those who are um, not as fortunate as we are? How do we treat those who have accomplished great things and, and are due respect? Do we cut them down? And do we disregard those who are less fortunate? How do, how do, we, how do we treat people? Sin, man, pure and blameless in his sight. Not our way, his way. So much better. So much higher. The timing is about the people. Verse 15, and remember the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. It gives people time to be saved. They get to turn around for going whatever direction they're going after whatever they have in their minds is the answer. So they're rejecting God's offer to know him. In First Thessalonians, we're told that, the, as Paul says, you guys did really well. You turned from following other gods, all that other stuff out there, to following Jesus. That's the answer. Turn from all that, turn to Jesus, follow him, listen to him, go his way. He's the one who has come and opened the door for us to have this relationship with God. He said, that's, that's how we get there. That's, that's salvation. That's life eternal. That's the beginning of all of it. That's walking in the kingdom of God. It's turning away from all those other gods. Remember, that was problematic. God had to deal with the rebellious ones. That's that's the rebellion. Spiritual rebellion, divine beings who have rebelled against God, human beings who have rebelled against God, turn away, follow Jesus. So that's, that's, that's what's involved in that process. Remember the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. And you go, yeah, well, I, I can't understand why, you know, Cousin Wilbert, isn't isn't saved you know we prayed for him for 48 years and be patient the last breath has not been taken just hang in there don't give up yet keep praying keep living it out the life that god has given you live it out in front of him turn away from all the other things turn to jesus follow him Here's some warning things. Beware twisted views of Jesus' return. Beware twisted views of Jesus' return. Peter goes into this, but he's addressing Paul. So the Apostle Paul has written letters. And this is Peter's final letter. He's, reading, he's, he's writing this in, in mid-60s A.D., a lot of what Paul has been writing has been going on since the 50s. So he's written letters in the 50s and 60s. Peter has seen some. Remember, he meets, Paul wasn't one of them. 
Paul joins, joins up after he's persecuted Christians, killed some. He comes into this later. The Lord comes, meets him on the road in Damascus. He comes to know the Lord. The Lord trains him. The resurrected Jesus trains him, gets him up and, and ready for this. Then he goes and meets Peter in Jerusalem after he's been trained by Jesus. And Peter realizes when he meets him, oh, you got the same training I got. Whoa, isn't that cool? So Peter recognizes Paul has the theology, the training, the background now, the experience, and he is he's going to give him credit for that. And he does it right here. This is his final letter before he's executed. And he says, this is Paul's warnings. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. So he's talking about Jesus coming back, about what Paul said about that, because the Lord taught him and the Lord has spoken to him since. So he has some information that he's passed on in his letters that we get to read in the scriptures and Peter's going, you know, other people read these letters that that Paul wrote, and then they they just go nuts. But he's written some things. You need to know that. Here's the reason. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. There are comments Paul writes that are hard to understand. And if you read some of his letters, you go, yeah, yeah, that's hard to understand. What happens with that? And people will read those things about what Paul is saying about Jesus' return and a lot of other things, but we're dealing with his return in this particular part of the letter. So they twist those letters to mean something different. They make it fit their preconceived ideas or what is happening in their life. And they fit it in, or this is what's happening in our town or our country. So I'm going to fit what Paul is saying into this instead of adjusting and trying to understand what Paul is saying when he presents it based on the other scriptures or the context from which Paul is writing. It helps straighten up so many things. But they'll twist the other uh, scriptures. And when he says, just as, as they do the other parts of scripture, scripture to them, they had no New Testament. They had some letters from Paul. Uh, some of the gospels have been written, but not everybody has. It's not bound like the one you have. They didn't have very good apps. They were sketchy. They had some, and they were making some copies and passing them around. The scriptures, when they say scriptures, they're talking about the 39 books in the Old Testament that that we call the Old Testament. And that was equal, as as Peter is saying this about Paul's writings, he's writing scripture. For a Jewish person to say that about anything, that is huge. That is mind-blowing. To say that, to compare what he was writing in that moment, in the contemporary times with Scripture, was unparalleled. 
And here he is. He said, you got to watch it. People are going to read this, and they twist it, and they're going to fill it with stuff. So they're going to say how Jesus is going to come back, how the tanks are going to roll in from Russia, how the, you know, you just start coming up with stuff. Where do we get it? From Scripture? From Paul? And Peter's saying, don't, just don't. Why? It will lead to destruction. It will result in their destruction. Destruction of what? Well, you look foolish. Well, Jesus is going to come back in 1914. Um, didn't happen. Do you look foolish? Uh, yeah. Is that the only thing? Well, how trustworthy are you? Well, then after a while, people will begin to think, well, now you can't trust the Scriptures. Or you can't trust God because he didn't come back when he said he would. He didn't say that. Joe Bob said that. And he made this up. He twisted what he said to fit some kind of itinerary, something he wanted to manipulate people with. And it may have been from a pure motive, in a sense. He just wanted to honor God. He wanted to listen, but he got off track. Are there any any other beings who might supply information that might be a little twisted when it comes to the scriptures? Any? Yeah. We get it in chapter 3 of Genesis to start with. Has God really said? So whatever God really says gets twisted by Satan and his minions, and that voice can show up too with somebody who's just trying to do some Bible study and they don't get it checked out. And then all of a sudden, we're headed down a path that's dangerous for, for us and others. And it leads to destruction. Peter's trying to save us from that. He's trying to tell us to watch out, to be careful. He's not saying, don't read it, don't, under, don't try to understand it. No. Get in there. Get in the scriptures. Get into what Paul's written. But don't twist it. Don't twist it. Be ready for the Lord to arrive. Second Peter three seventeen. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. The secure footing is to walk with Jesus, to trust the faithfulness of God, to go His way, not our way. To be changed from the inside out. To, to be reshaped in our character so that what we are is so different from the world around us that we can radiate kindness and love and peace. And those realities become part of us. When we speak, that's what comes out. When we think, our thoughts are pure. We move in a new, new way in a new direction. He says, be on guard because you get around those who are twisting these things and you can lose this. You can lose your footing. Don't. Rather, this is be growing, ready for the Lord to arrive from verse 18. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, where, that's what we're supposed to be about. We keep growing 
We keep finding out more about who he is. We keep practicing it. This is a uh, practical knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. The whole book of Second Peter, when it uses the word knowledge, this is about experience. It's not just head knowledge. Oh, I understood. I took. I read the book. I took the test, and and I got my score. I'm done. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. That's that's not knowledge. It's not knowledge in the scriptures, actually. It's experiential. It has to be lived out. It, li- it lives in us, and then it lives through us. So we're living this thing out. That's what's happening. And that's what he's saying. Grow in the grace and knowledge. Know what that relationship with God is like in this relationship with Jesus. Learn to know more about him. Get in the scriptures. Practice it. The more we practice what we're learning from the scriptures, the more he reveals himself. The more he reveals himself, the more we have to go on. You go, I think I got it. You know, I went through Sunday school and catechism, and, and I read a couple of books. I read the Bible one time, and I got this. And no, you don't. Got this. It is eternal. We're dealing with an infinite being unlimited in his knowledge where do you put that in your brain because if i ask you what happened on this day one year ago if your phone doesn't pop up here's an image this is what you did last year you don't know what did you have for lunch you don't know how are you going to know everything there is to know about an infinite being? You don't even know about lunch. We have a lot to learn. He says, come grow. Let's go to do this together. Let's, let's band together as the family of God. Grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and help people the family as he's working on this, being patient to bring as many in as are supposed to be in this family and get ready for the end. And the end may be coming sooner for us than we know. It depends on, you know, if the bus hits us tomorrow, we go see Jesus, so we're done. If the trumpet blows tomorrow, we're done. Either way, we're done. He's coming, new world, new things are going to happen. In the meantime, let's grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be about. The end and the beginning. Back to Titus, where we started last week, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And there's a new world awaiting. And we get to be part of it. And we're part of it now. And we get to help people it. Let's grow. Let's get to know him. Let's not get all twisted up in things that aren't ours or not true. Let's seek him. He's coming back, and that's our blessed hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus for the new hope that we have in him, for the life that we can have, because you made things new. Being in Christ makes us new creations with a new future and, and new possibilities. Lord, be at work in us, and I pray that we would not quickly forget these things. We would remember you, think of you, turn to you, rely on you for our lives day in and day out, that we would think about heaven more than earth, 
recognizing that eternity is much longer than the time we have here, recognizing that all of our efforts here are not wasted, but they don't last forever either. And we thank you that you are with us, you go before us, you surround us. Thank you for embracing us with your love. Let us, Lord, show that love to others. In Jesus' name, amen.